everyone. I want to discuss more of womanhood empowerment. I think women are absolutely entitled to and deserving of being leaders. For example, I see women as chief accessibility officers, chief administrative officers, chief analytics officers, chief audit executives, chief brand officers, chief business officers, chief channel officers, chief commercial officers, public relations officers, chief compliance officers, chief content officers, chief creative officers, chief data officers, chief design officers, chief digital officers, chief diversity officers, chief executive officers, chief experience officers, chief financial officers, chief human resources officers, chief information officers, chief information security officers, chief innovation officers, chief investment officers, chief knowledge officers, chief learning officers, chief legal officers, chief marketing officers, chief medical officers, chief merchandising officers, chief networking officers, chief operating officers, chief privacy officers, chief procurement officers, chief operations officers, chief procurement officers, chief product officers, chief research officers, chief restructuring officers, chief revenue officers, uh, chief risk officers, chief risk management officers, chief scientific officers, chief security officers, chief solutions officers, chief strategy officers, chief sustainability officers, chief tech technology officers, chief visionary officers, chief web officers, chairs, persons, creative directors, development directors, general counsels, uh, executive directors, non-executive directors, presidents, representative directors, vice presidents, managers, general managers, account managers, supervisors, four women, uh, F-O-R-E, W-O-M-E-N uh, Board of Directors Corporate Governance Executive Compensation Supervisory Boards Senior Management Talent Management List of Business And Finance Abbreviations Corporate I see women in all these positions And I don't mind A woman being my boss I don't mind a woman being my employer I don't mind Working for women I don't mind Working 
alongside women. I really, really don't. And I must tell the truth. I see women in formal sciences, natural sciences, physical sciences, life sciences, social sciences, applied sciences, engineering science, medical science, interdisciplinary science, I see women in mathematics. For example, I see women in Geometry, algebra, calculus and analysis, discrete mathematics, mathematical logic and set theory, applied mathematics, statistics and other decision sciences, computational mathematics, um, Numerology, astrology, numbers theory, and set theory too, and so on and so forth, because I don't want to leave women out on anything. I see women as inventors, women as entrepreneurs. I don't mind women. I don't mind women making more money than me. I don't mind women having more all-around success than me. I really don't. Basically, I see women as leaders when it comes to culture and the arts, geography and places, health and fitness, history and events, human activities, mathematics and logic. Natural physical sciences, people and self, philosophy of thinking, religion, belief systems, um, secular and knowledge systems, uh, society and social sciences, technology and applied science. And so I see women as leaders in the worlds of technology, science, society, secularity, religion, philosophy, people, nature, mathematics, human activities, history, health geography and culture. That's where I see it. Um, I want to admit something. Paxies.meaning.com uh, Paxies underwear <laughs> May 2021 I kid you not, that's what they they made a medium.com article. What does pansexual mean? Five key questions answered for pansexual pan Romantic Awareness Day 2021. 
Pansexual and panromantic awareness days on May 24th every year to raise awareness of and celebrate pansexual and panromantic identities. Despite being coined way back in 1914, pansexual is a term many people today are still unfamiliar with. In this post, in this post we'll cover the basics and answer common questions to make sure you're ready for Pansexual and Panromantic Awareness Day 2021. Okay. Here we go. One, what does pansexual mean? Pansexuality can be defined in a different ways, in a few different ways, and each individual has their own interpretation. But the general idea is that it's attraction to all genders and sexes or attraction regardless of gender and sex. That would be me. The word comes from the Greek word pan, which means all. Pansexuals also aren't attracted to literally everything and everyone, though. So save your saucepan jokes. They've all been heard before. Just like how a heterosexual woman isn't attracted to all men all the time, pansexuality refers more to the potential for attraction with all genders. So... I'm not attracted to everything. I'm not attracted to everyone. Um, but I do have potential for attraction to all genders. And yes, I have attraction to all genders and sexes. And I have attraction regardless of gender or sex. That's me. That's what I mean when I say that's me. Pansexuality is sometimes included in the LGBTQIAP acronym as the P, but more common but more commonly is included under the B for bisexual umbrella. The pansexual flag is mangenta, representing women, yellow, representing non-binary people, and cyan, representing men. Um, so I love that I'm a part of the gender and sexual diversity acronym. Two. How is pansexual different than bisexual? On the surface, pansexuality and bisexuality could seem to describe the same thing. Each different, the exact difference between them is the subject of sometimes heated debate between scholars and the community. The argument can often come down to the bi prefix literally meaning two and the pan prefix literally meaning all. This often leads people to argue bisexuality is attraction to men and women all uh, pansexuality is attracted to all genders, but it isn't that simple in reality. Bisexuality as a term is used by bisexuals to describe attraction in a range of different ways, from attraction to men and women to attraction to all genders or attraction to non-binary people and one or both of the binary genders or any other combination. So neither term is inherently more inclusive or exclusionary of trans, non-binary, or gender non-conforming individuals. Ultimately, the label an individual chooses is about their personal preference and which terms they feel best expresses the way they experience attraction. Rather than arguments over the precise definition of terms that will always struggle to capture the fluidity and expanse of queer attraction, the most important thing is that everyone who wants to can use a label that they find useful and makes them happy. Um... I want to say that um, I just became fully embracing of my pansexuality. 
Um, sometimes in previous episodes, I still, I still found, I still found myself talking heterosexually. Um, it was something I did for years, and living life publicly as a transsexual person is still new. To me. Multiple episodes on the subject, it still feels good to be all of myself appropriately. Um, I'm still adjusting, and I don't judge myself for it. So I don't. I will no longer be speaking heterosexuality in terms of myself anymore. I will no longer be speaking heterosexually judge myself anymore. Uh, what I'll be doing is um, talking about uh, myself as um, A person who is attracted to all sexual orientations, all gender identities, and all sex characteristics. Um, so, I'll say this for the last time. If I say, if I ever repeat myself with anything I've said in the past, even now, it'll be with a guest. Other than that, I won't feel the need to do it anymore because it's already been stated. But um, I'm queer. I am not cisgender. I'm not heterosexual. Um, I again, I am pansexual. I am pangender. I go by all gender pronouns. Uh, you can call me Antonio or Antonia. And I want to say that I never fit into the gender binary because I hate the gender binary. Um, I hate stereotypical roles for men and women. I hate the stereotypical roles society places upon LGBTQ plus people like myself. Um, I hate heteronormativity. I hate heterosexism. Uh, I hate homophobia. I hate biphobia. I hate transphobia. I hate lesbophobia. Um, I am non-binary. In a sense, I'm... gender non-conforming, because again, I don't conform to the gender binary, and I do say that as a pan-gender person, I can relate to transgender people. Um, I want to say this. I haven't talked enough about this, so I'm talking more about my gay side, if you will. Uh, for example, as my 
My future sex life, I never slept with a male, I never slept with a man, uh, but I will soon, I will soon. So in my future sex life with men, there will be the giving and receiving of anal sex, oral sex, broadage, broad, mutual, masturbation, teabagging, cunnilingus, Ratio, um, non penetrative sex, bottom, versatile, top, um, sex toys, vibrators. Birth control and condoms. I wanted to be honest about that and say that's important for me to be real. Uh, for example, I am attracted to muscle bound men. Powerfully built, beefy, substantial, sturdy. Stature. In layman's terms, big, beefy body. Wow, 
just taking it all in. I don't live in fear. I have the right to be myself. Another thing about me that I want to mention is that there's number three. Why is hearts not part of a controversial statement? Hearts Not Parts is a slogan sometimes used by the pansexual community, but it's controversial both within the pansexual community I'm a part of. I gotta say that more. Let me start over. Hearts Not Parts is a slogan sometimes used by the pansexual community that I'm a part of, but it's controversial both within the pansexual community that I'm a part of, as well as the wider queer community that I am a part of. The intention behind the slogan is meant to convey how pansexuality encompasses attraction to all genders and sexes. So the attraction is more about the and so the attraction is more about the individual person and their sex and gender. That's how I that is me. My attraction is more about the individual persons than their sex or gender. Right? However, some pansexual people feel the slogan be detracts from the sexual attraction they can feel for their partner's body or diminishes the importance of the sex or gender identity of their partners in a dismissive way. The slogan is also, is also seen as offensive to other sexualities, especially um, bisexuality, as it could be read to imply that other sexualities don't value the individual so much are fixated on the genitalia of people that are attracted to and exclude transgender people. These objectifications, I'm sorry, these objections mean the slogan seems to be falling out of favor these days, though it is still occasionally used. Um, here's my definition of hearts, not parts. I would say hearts more important than parts is the better way of saying it. Because I do experience sexual attraction when it comes to my partner's bodies. And there's beautiful importance of the sexual gender identity of my partners, and I never dismiss. I'm not blind on that. I detect it. And at the same time, I focus more about the I focus more on the individual person, their sex or gender. Um, and I know that other sexualities do value the individual so much. And I know that other sexualities are not fixated on the gender people they're attracted to. And there is no exclusion transgender person. So I would say Parts are more important than parts. Um, that's true for me. And the hearts not parts thing for me is I don't pretend that I'm not a sexual being, however. Um, 
I focus more on the personality and the temperament of the persons than the over the genitalia of the persons and that's what matters to me. Um, so I don't mean it to be offensive because I'm a I said this for the last time, I'm a well round I'm in this if I do it. I'm gonna say this for the last time because I I only repeat everything I say with guests from now on. Okay. I am a well-rounded, well-adjusted, well-unified, well-balanced person I'm in all areas of my life. I'm not too much, I'm not too little, I'm just right in all areas of my life. So hearts, not parts, is a good thing when it comes to me. More importantly, hearts are more important than parts is a good thing when it comes to me. Uh, four, what is panromantic? Pansexual refers to sexual and romantic attraction to one. But some people experience sexual or romantic attraction differently. When sexual and romantic attraction talk about a separate things, it's called the split attraction model. Some people may be on this asexual spectrum, meaning they don't experience sexual attraction or only incredibly rarely. Gray sexual, only the people that are already close to demisexual. I'm actually, I have demisexual tendencies. I deem my sexuality as a part of me. Yeah. Um, I can even experience sexual attraction to people I'm not already close with, too. Similarly, people can also be on the aromantic spectrum, meaning they don't experience romantic attraction, only rarely great aromantic, only people they're already close with demi-romantic. Um, I am D, my romantic, but I also experience romantic attraction people I'm not already close with as well. To get to know people is the highlight of it all. If I hear good things about somebody and it's been proven, I'm going to start to have romantic feelings. Um... Another thing about me is if I hear a great thing about a person and it's been proven to be true and I haven't met them yet and it's obvious that they're an incredible person, I'm going to start developing romantic feelings. Also, sexual feelings too. So I just wanted to clarify what that means for me. Panromantic is a term that means a romantic attraction to all genders or romantic attraction regardless of gender may be used by someone who wants to clarify they do experience this kind of romantic attraction, but do not experience sexual attraction to all genders. They, they may be asexual or identified with another label for their sexual orientation. The name of the day includes panromantic to make sure asexual people aren't excluded from it. So, I am panromantic. I do experience romantic attraction to all genders. 
I do experience romantic attraction regardless of gender. I do experience sexual attractions to all genders. Um, Excuse me, overall, I experience all around attractions to all genders and all sexes, and I do experience all around attractions regardless of gender or sex. Five, are any celebrities pansexual, even though pansexuality um, is perhaps I'm reading. I'm answering all the questions, right? Um, here we go. Six, are any celebrities pansexual? Even though pansexuality is perhaps less known in the public consciousness than other sexualities, such as gay, lesbian, and bisexual, there are several famous people who are pansexual out to the public. Here's a few. Brendan Ory, lead singer of Panic at the Disco, Bella Thorne, actress slash singer, Jojo Siwa, YouTuber slash dancer, Bob the Drag Queen, self-explanatory, Miley Cyrus, singer slash songwriter, Mary Gonzalez, American politician versus openly pansexual elected official in the USA, Demi Lovato, actress slash singer, Janelle Monet, singer slash rapper slash producer slash model, Leila Moran, British politician first openly pansexual UK parliamentarian. Bonus question, how can I celebrate pansexual panromantic awareness day? Celebrate however you like. If you're pansexual yourself, consider posting a selfie showing your pride. Other good ideas would be seeing if your local LGBTQI plus group has anything planned on joining your favorite pansexual artists and musicians' work, sharing pansexual awareness materials like this post, or donating, or donating to a local LGBTQI plus charity that supports pansexual people. Um... Let's look at it right All these celebrities inspired me to be publicly pansexual myself. And four years ago, I got introduced to all of them. Uh, not in person, but through their articles talking about the beauty of pansexuality. So that made me understand that I am... I, I know that I came into this world Pansexual, pangender, going by all gender pronouns, panromantic, queer, um, non binary, and everything else you know about me. That's that previous episode. I feel like I came into this world with all of my truths. That's how I feel like I came into this world. Um, I must say it has been wonderful 
to be true to myself publicly. I love beefy men, and again, I prefer them to be on low. I do like well hung, you know what I mean, on that as well. Saying the same thing, if you get to think about it. But I had to focus, because I talk a lot about my life with women, I focus more on the men for this episode. Um, I truly appreciate just being able to speak these thoughts. Okay. I want to end with the 12 stages of life. Okay, 12 stages of the human life cycle. It's instituteforlearning.com. Books by Dr. Armstrong. Which stage of life is the most important? Some might claim that infancy is the key stage. When a baby's brain is wide open to new experiences that will influence all the rest of its later life. Others might argue that it's adolescence or, or young adulthood when physical health is at its peak. Many cultures around the world value late adulthood more than any other, arguing that it is at this stage that the human being has finally acquired the wisdom necessary to guide others. Who is right? The truth is that matters at every stage of life is equally significant and necessary to the welfare of humanity. In my book, The Human Odyssey, Navigating the Twelve Stages of Life, I've written that each stage of life has its own unique quote-unquote gift to contribute to the world. We need to value each one of these gifts if we are to truly support the deepest needs of human life. Here are what I call the 12 gifts of the human life cycle. One, pre-birth potential. A child who has not yet been born could become anything, Michelangelo, Shakespeare, Martin Luther King. Let's hold scrolls to manage the principle of what we all may yet become in our lives. Two, birth, hope. When a child is born, so it, it instills in its parents of character with a sense of optimism, a sense that this new life may bring something new and special into the world. Hence, the newborn represents the sense of hope that we all nourish inside of ourselves to make the world a better place. Three, infancy, age of fear, the sweet vitality. The infant is a vibrant and seemingly unlimited source of energy. Babies thus represent the inner dynamo of humanity ever filling the fires of the human life cycle with new channels of psychic power, or early childhood age of three to six playfulness. The young children play to recreate the world of music. They take what is and combine it with the what is possible to fashion events that have never been seen before in the history of the world. As such, they embody the principle of innovation and transformation that underlies every single creative act that has occurred in the course of civilization. Five, middle childhood age of six to eight, imagination. In middle childhood, the sense of the inner subjective self develops for the first time, and this self is alive with images taken in from the outer world and brought up from the depths of the unconscious. This imagination serves as a source of creative inspiration and later life for artists, writers, scientists, and anyone else who finds their days and nights enriched for having nurtured a deep inner life. Six, late childhood, ages nine to 11, ingenuity. Older children have acquired a wide range of social and technical skills that enable them to come up with marvelous strategies and, and inventive solutions for dealing with the increasing pressures that society places on them. 
This principle of ingenuity lives on in that part of ourselves that ever seeks new ways to solve practical problems and cope with everyday responsibilities. Seven, adolescence, ages 12 to 20, passion. The biological has been a puberty and reaches a powerful set of changes in adolescent body that reflects themselves in the teenager's sexual, emotional, cultural, and slash or spiritual passion. Adolescence passion that thus represents a significant touchstone for anyone who is seeking to reconnect with their deepest inner self of life. Eight, early adulthood, ages 20 to 35, enterprise. It takes enterprise for young adults to accomplish their many responsibilities, including finding a home and mate, establishing a family, a circle of friends, slash, or getting a good job. This principle of enterprise thus serves us at any stage of life when we need to go out into the world and make our mark. Nine, midlife, age 35 to 50, contemplation. After many years of young adulthood of following society scripts for creating a life, people in midlife often take a break from worldly responsibilities to reflect upon the deeper meaning of their lives the better to forge ahead with new understanding. This element of contemplation represents an important resource that we could all draw upon to deepen and enrich our lives at any age. 10. Mature Adulthood, ages 50 through 80, Benevolence. Thus, in mature adulthood, those in mature adulthood have raised families, established themselves in their work life, and become contributors to the betterment of society through volunteerism, mentorships, and other forms of philanthropy. All of humanity benefits from their benevolence. Moreover, we all can learn from their example to give more of ourselves to others. 11. Late adulthood, age 80 plus wisdom. Those with long lives have acquired a rich repository of experiences that they can use to help guide others. Elders thus represent the source of wisdom that exists in each of us, helping us to avoid the mistakes of the past while reaping the benefits of life's lessons. 12. Death and dying. Life. Those in our lives who are dying or who have died teach us about the value of living. They remind us not to take our lives for granted, but to live each moment of life to its fullest and to remember that our own small lives form of a part of a greater whole. Since, since each stage of life has its own unique gift to give to humanity, we need to do whatever we can to support each stage and to protect each stage from attempt to suppress its individual contribution to the human life cycle. Thus, we need to be wary need to be worried, for example, of attempts to thwart a young child's needs to play through the establishment high-pressure formal academic preschools. Let me say it again so nobody gets confused. Thus, we need to be worried, for example, of attempts to thwart a young child's needs to play through the establishment high-pressure formal academic preschools. We should protect the wisdom of age from elder abuse. We need to do what we can to help our adolescents at risk. We need to advocate for prenatal education services for poor mothers and support safe and healthy birthing methods in third world countries. We ought to take the same attitude toward nurturing the human life cycle as we do towards saving the environment from global warming and industrial pollutants. But by supporting each stage of the human life cycle, we will help to ensure that all these members are given care and help to blossom to their fullest degree so here's how i feel i'm so grateful that despite all the traumas of my life my pre-birth and my potential are sacred my birth and my hope are sacred my embassy ages zero to three vitality are sacred um, my early childhood age three to six Playfulness, sacred. My middle childhood, age 6 to 8, imagination, sacred. My late childhood, age 9 to 11, ingenuity, sacred. 
adolescence, age of fucking 20, and passion, a segment. My early adulthood, age of 20 through 35, enterprise, sacred. My net life, age of 35 through 50, contemplation, sacred. My mature adulthood, age of 50 through 80, benevolent, sacred. My late adulthood, age of 80 plus, wisdom, sacred. My death and dying life are sacred. So despite all the traumas of my childhood, I want to say it a different way. My potential is protected and is innocent. My hope is protected and is innocent. My my vitality is protected and is innocent. My playfulness is protected and it's innocent. My imagination is protected and it's innocent. My ingenuity is protected and it's innocent. My passion is protected and it's innocent. My enterprise is protected and it's innocent. My contemplation is protected and it's innocent. My benevolence is protected and it's innocent. My wisdom is protected and it's innocent. And my life is protected and it's innocent. My pre-birth is protected and it's innocent. My birth is protected and it's innocent. My hope is protected and it's innocent. My infancy, ages zero to three, are protected and innocent. My early childhood, ages three to six, are protected and innocent. My middle childhood, ages six to eight, are protected and innocent. My late childhood, ages nine to eleven, are protected and it's innocent. My adolescence, ages twelve to twenty, are protected and it's innocent. My early adulthood. Um, ages 20 through 35 are protected and innocent. My midlife, age 35 through 50, are protected and innocent. Um, my mature adulthood, age 58, are protected and it's innocent. And my late adulthood, age 80 plus, are protected and innocent. My death and dying are protected and innocent. All the 12 stages of my life are sacred, protected, and innocent. So, no, this is the best way to end. Um, I have all these emotions that I want to talk about. I, I like to keep them simplistic. I don't want to be too long. As a human being, and I must admit, I do experience love, joy, surprise, anger, sadness, and fear as my primary emotions. The secondary emotions I feel are affection, lust, slash sexual desire, longing, uh, cheerfulness, uh, zest, contentment, pride, optimism, enthrallment, relief, surprise, exasperation, rage, disgust, envy, torment, suffering, sadness, disappointment, shame, neglect, sympathy, court, and nervousness. And the tertiary emotions that I do experience are adoration, fondness, liking, attraction, caring, tenderness, compassion, sentimentality, desire, passion, infatuation, longing, amusement, bliss, gaiety. Glee, jolliness, joviality, joy, delight, enjoyment, gladness, happiness, jubilation, elation, satisfaction, ecstasy, euphoria, enthusiasm, zeal, excitement, thrill, 
thrill, exhilaration, pleasure, triumph, eagerness, hope, enthrallment, rapture, relief, amazement, astonishment, aggravation, agitation, annoyance, grouchy, grumpy, cross-patch, frustration, anger, outrage, fury, wrath, hostility, ferocity, bitterness, hatred, scorn, spite, vengefulness, dislike, resentment, revulsion, contempt, loathing, jealousy, torment, agony, anguish, hurt, depression, despair, gloom, glumness, unhappiness, grief, sorrow, woe, misery, melancholy, dismay, displeasure, guilt, regret, remorse, alienation, defeatism, dejection, embarrassment, homesickness, humiliation, insecurity, insult, isolation, loneliness, rejection, pity, mononoware, Sympathy, alarm, shock, fear, fright, horror, terror, panic, hysteria, mortification, anxiety, suspense, uneasiness, apprehension, fear, worry, distress, and dread. I feel all the emotions that human beings feel. I've learned to Feel them in all the appropriate, proper context. And I just, and I'm fully human, I'm proud of. feel bad about at all and I want to say this um, one of the last things my grandma said to me before she transitioned was when it comes to my relationship with women no arguing no cussing each other out no heated screaming matches no insulting each other no negative name calling and no blows being thrown, no pettiness, um, no, and don't, she, she even tell, don't even debate with them, don't even do that. And make sure that y'all protect each other in body, soul, heart, mind, memories. That's what she told me. Um, that we should feel all around safe, secure one another, and we're trustworthy to each other. And um, basically, she told me to look at women with respect, regardless of regardless of how cute I I I, I feel that that my, my that my biology feels that they are. And she basically said. You know, once you get into a relationship, only have one woman. Because she saw me as husband material back then. She never been appropriate with me. The other stuff that I can, I know that she would tell me was when I became older and I would, and I learned more about her. I know more of what she would say to me. Um, Those heart conversations. So this is the best way that I can say my grandmother's abuse. 
Extraordinary empowerment. My, my grandma, this time my grandma wanted me to see her. She, I see her as the second most important person in my life. And that I converse with her 24-7. Um... I credit almost everything I've achieved in my life to my grandmother through her faith in Jesus. And in fact, she wanted me to see Jesus as the most important person in my life. And that will, and that has been true. Um, and it's just true. Um, I would say the transition of my grandma hit me the ha- particularly the hardest it was my grandma who taught me to possess healthy self esteem and she convinced me that I could have a uh, a rich inner life of fullness of wisdom After she had transitioned, I used to feel like I was utterly alone in the world. It was my grandma who realized that the that a way for Antonio to be somebody was to cultivate chivalry um, within. Um, my grandma thought that that not having life skills would only harm me and she believed in the maxim that The good Lord takes care of those who are caring people. Um, I felt orphaned once my grandmother transitioned. And I've been conversing with her daily from the age of seven all the way to now, 21 years. 
my way of talking to the divine within myself is kneeling on my bedside multiple times a day more than the Daniel way and putting my headphones on in by my bedside being quiet and letting the divine in me speak to me and I am physically audibly silent the whole time I let the divine in me do all the talk I let the divine in me do all the talking and I only engage in ethical and uplifting content of all kinds on a daily basis music, movies, etc. and so forth um I'm just so grateful, like, don't get me wrong, I do have an appetite for sex, and I have love, compassionate love with people, and I talk about it a lot. I am an unapologetic lover of what is meaningful in life basically I am an unapologetic sensitive lover and I love to experience sensitive lovers of all of the entire human diversity of adults who are positive persons I am unswerving when it comes to my logical pattern of relationships. Meaning that I am a very sensual person. I delight in sex but more importantly I delight in being humane. I'm incredibly passionate. And I put and I live out that desire in life too. I don't play people off against each other. And I don't live a life of heartbreak. People love me. 
Um, I do have sensitive lovers that are uncountable. I do have pairing sex partners throughout my life that are also uncountable. I am an Iser, meaning I'm not one of those people that goes around cruising for people. At the same time, I love to have positive adults that have sex relationships with. And my biology wants to all around experience them as much as possible, as many as possible. Many times, many ways. That's what leads me to be an ISO because I remember when I said about Pan earlier, Pan and romantic pansexual, go figure. Um, I said this for the last time, I don't believe in marriage. I don't believe in pet owning. I don't believe in parenting. I don't believe in living with another. I don't believe in living with others. I don't believe in commitment dating. And I have various sensitive love with a variety of them that I incredibly enjoy. You know, I'm a very sharp dresser. I'm, natu I'm a natural beauty. And I am wealthy on the inside. Because I have a wealth of knowledge. There's everything heroic about me because I do everything for all the right reasons. I think about the fact that even though a lot of people, because of this podcast and what I talk about and how I talk about things, will say Antonio's no angel, not innocent. I had to redefine what those things mean. I'm an, I'm an archangel metaphorically because I'm the mess, I feel like I'm one of the messengers of being public about what people would want me to keep secret 
that makes me an archangel, not just an angel. And I'm innocent because I do not live a life of targeting anybody, not even myself. I live a life of constant purification, refinement, non-religiously speaking. That's why I'm saying evolving and growing as a person. I can handle constructive criticism very well. I do not have an addictive personality. And I can talk about my life, sport, politics, and the issues of my day. I'm dynamic, engaging, intelligent. I am extraordinarily outstanding the way I look and speak. People can't take their eyes off me. Some people can't take their hands off me, everything else off me, but that's consensual and safe, you know. And I don't, I clearly don't suffer from I don't want anybody feeling sorry for me. I'm not one of the first people to complain to anyone. I don't let people treat me differently because of what people said I have, which is autism. They make allowance to be nice to me in some way. It's quite absurd to me. I love my vulnerability. And what they call frailty. I say, y'all are, with all due respect, y'all are misguided. And thank you all for letting me share everything. There's nothing else for me to share.